0: a while ago just asked about the times on like the clock I had in the window still lives and I just answered honestly that there really is no significance to the the times oh, that were on there and I feel like that disappointed a lot of people because they were like looking for or they kind of assumed there might be and an approach I have is I like for to be room for symbolism in the imagery you can take the skeleton versus the plant very literally they're just two video game characters or you could take a wider view of things of just like the idea of life versus death of this like duality that is definitely in my mind with a lot of things but i don't have very specific meanings behind a lot of the subject matter that i put into the work
1: that was john if you follow him on Twitter, you probably know him better by his username, which is John with nine J's in front of John. It's kind of his calling card. If you visit his Discord, you'll also see all the channels have repeating letters in front of them. John is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and is one of the biggest artists on the Tezos Power to platform. I am a huge fan of his very lo-fi, low-poly, very subtle, and what I just call honest art it's fun creative unpretentious and very addicting to collect his windows still life series is legendary on him all the artists on him know john and many i'd say probably over a hundred at this point have paid tribute to him by minting their own take on his windows series so great to have john on the show what a fantastic human let's chat with him John, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, pleasure to be here. I'm excited to chat about, well, I'm probably pretty new because I was going through your Instagram and I see you've been doing this for quite some time, but I was first turned on to your work here just a few months ago. But I would love to, for those people that are listening that aren't familiar with your work, just starting at the beginning of you know how you got started in all things both design and 3D and NFTs. Mm-hmm. Great to walk us
0: through that. Sure, yeah. It's a long but not straight path history. I Basically, I went to art school years ago. I graduated in 2005. I majored in painting and after school, I've always been interested in animation and cartoons and stuff and I've always like dabbled a little bit in that as a hobby. And so I After graduating from school, I just moved to Philly. I I went to school just outside of the city and just worked on my art, worked at an art museum, and really didn't have a clear idea of what type of art I wanted to make, what type of paintings, if I wanted to work in animation or not. And so it was just a long, natural process of figuring that out. And eventually, like Tumblr came along and... I started using that and getting a lot of traction on that, getting a lot of followers, getting a lot of good feedback when I started basically making like animated. And it just went from there.
1: It seems like there were so many people that got started on Tumblr. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, when I look at, and you go back and look at X copies, uh, you know, history on Tumblr, it goes back 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And it seems there was just a, a, a huge gathering of people that were into creating you know, animated GIFs and just putting them up there just to see what everyone was creating. It was obviously there were no NFTs back then. Yeah. Was that kind of the vibe? Did you know all these other artists as well?
0: To a varying degree. I, I feel like a lot of them are familiar. I followed some of them that are like in the NFT space now. And yeah, Tumblr was just a really good, I think, platform. A very like open and free platform. I, I, I get similar vibes to like at Nunk with it because it was like, it, it wasn't, Geared towards one type of thing, e- even just as a social media platform, it mm-hmm. like, as opposed to like Twitter, where it's just text and Instagram, where it's just photos or it was originally it just like the open nature of it. And it maybe because it wasn't as popular, it was easier to just experiment and do whatever you wanted to it. I don't know. There was something about it that was very like, I don't know, breeding ground for artists or like a, a good place for them to make work and mm-hmm. like share it and follow other people. Yeah. And just kind of see what other people were working on at the same time. And yeah, yeah.
1: Was it something where you all did meetups? Or did you ever chat with any of these folks? Or was it just, it was more about just following and admiring others, each other's work?
0: I mean, I'm sure there were like meetups and a lot of like interaction. Personally, I guess I'm not that type of person. I did very little. Like, even just like messaging other people that I followed on there. But I feel like even just the act of seeing like other artists follow you that you liked and you followed them and you liked Mm -hmm. their posts and you reblogged their posts. And like, I mean, I I know like the, I did, Xcopy did message me like years ago when I first did an NFT saying that he bought it. And that was like the only interaction I ever had with him back in the day but that sticks out in my mind. But like literally that was like one message. It wasn't, for me at least, there wasn't like a very active, like compared to now with like Twitter and mm-hmm. crypto Twitter, I feel like that is much more of a active, visible scene.
1: It feels like the, the tools are easier to kind of go back and forth and have more of a conversation yeah, than yeah, what Tumblr yeah. was. You know, Tumblr was about admiring and I had a Tumblr, but it wasn't for art, but I think we all, we all <laughs> did. And, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was very hot there for a while. When did you notice that you were creating something that started to resonate with people? You know, some other artists I've chatted with said, you know, I started to blow up on Tumblr and then Giphy came along and mm. my stuff got, it started getting shared. What was that moment for you?
0: It was probably just on Tumblr itself, specifically like the skeleton character I have, like the skeleton gifts I made. Just them being so widely shared, just within Tumblr, and you could see people like adding captions to them and like really like making it their own in, in a weird way. Like I, I think Giphy and Instagram, especially like more in- recently with like Instagram stories, like a lot of gifs through Giphy are being shared on there. When my work started to be shared a lot more, and I got a lot more followers, I think that's where I like saw the work be resonated with other people.
1: Yeah. I'm curious about the skull character because it mm-hmm. is such a cool character and it has like this hint of like neon kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it as well. Can you, what's that character
0: all about? Well, I think originally I intended it to be a sort of like vaporwave cartoon character. Like at that point when I made it in 2014, like I felt like the vaporwave like visual aesthetic trend, even on like Tumblr was already like past its prime. It was kind of like it came and went, but I it was something that was very like visible on Tumblr and like part of the whole Tumblr like aesthetic in a way, or at least on the gift side. So I just and I was a genuine fan of that like look and aesthetic so that's where the original like idea came from and just creating for me personally like a cartoon character or a character that I could just reuse over and over again in the gifts and so like that's where like the design came from just thinking about like vapor wavy stuff and uh and creating a character that I could reuse and it really worked out like Better than I thought it would, and really, I've been using it a lot longer than I ever imagined I would.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's made an appearance on a whole slew of different <laughs> projects that you've had, including yeah, yeah. like I see that there was actually a patch and a pin that was made
0: mm-hmm. of the skull,
1: which is amazing. <laughs> is is that pin still available for sale somewhere? That is an epic pin.
0: No, I think that got that sold out by now. Yeah, I was thinking about making more, but never got around to it. It's so cool. One of
1: the things that is so unique about your work is that I feel once you get the vibe of what you've created, it's pretty easy to spot your work because it, mm. it does have some consistent themes that tend to to go along. Like it could be the recurring characters, like where you have like a, a cat, or you know, every mm-hmm. time I see that cat, I'm like, oh, I know that that's John' work, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. or the grid is like so
0: iconic at this point. What what's the deal with the grid? Again, I think part of it comes from just, like, sort of, like, uh postmodern, like, 1980s aesthetic to it. There's also just, like, a very, like, even, like, modern art relation to the grid. I think just the grid, the flattening out of a plane was, like, a very, like, popular thing in, like, I don't know, in modernism in, like, the mid-20th century. So, it's, like, just from a design aspect, it's something that's... To me, very, like, it's simple, it's easy, but it's, like, effective as, like, a background. And also, like, more to that, like, just in a 3D animation software, like, 3D modeling, a grid is, like, very natural to that environment. Like, the planes of a wall, like, as a grid.
1: And then when you think about the software that you use to create these, I mean, obviously... Mm -hmm. There's a ton of different packages out there. And if you wanted to, you could go, you know, like hyper-realistic and put in some serious rendering power to make your art feel uh, even more real. But you Mm -hmm. have this kind of like, how would you describe your aesthetic? Because it's it feels like it's purposely built to be simple and and approachable versus something that's trying to be too real.
0: Yeah. A category that it falls under is like a low-poly animation. I guess like there are a couple reasons for that. I mean, one is like, I like to think of a lot of my work as being cartoony. And I don't mean that in like a sort of like frivolous way, but just in terms of like abstracting things in a very simple and like easy to read way and more like iconography. And specifically to like the style of like 3D models I use in the rendering, I was really... What really got me into working in 3d animation was being inspired by the work of david o'reilly he's a computer animator he also has done a lot of like uh, video game stuff recently and his style is very like low poly and simple and pared down and purposefully so like i think his i mean it's been a while since i've read any interviews with him or like any of his talks or anything but I think part of his philosophy is making the work look like it's from a computer, making that very clear, not trying to like make something look photorealistic. And again, that kind of also relates to just going to art school. I relate a lot of things to just my art education of like, I guess that relates too to like just modernism, like having like a painting, being able to see the brushstrokes as opposed to, Mm -hmm. making it look photorealistic it's a more like modern thing like if you want something to look photorealistic you could take a picture of it and i think there's something really appealing about seeing something more like abstracted and like the handmade quality of something Mm -hmm. which is a weird like uh way of thinking about something made on like a computer being handmade but like i do make all the models that i make and I think that even if people don't know that, they could feel that. Well, it reminds me of simpler times when you mm-hmm. were just watching standard
1: definition television. I, I don't know just it feels like it's it, it's not trying too hard
0: if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and I guess there's also like intentional or not, there's a nostalgic element yes. to it too. like making it look like it kind of looks like an old like PlayStation or N64 game or early computer animation. Which like, I I grew up with, so it's also that aesthetic and look is like I feel like very natural to my like just taste in history. Yeah,
1: that's actually a great point. It does feel much like now it, when I'm looking at some of these, it reminds me of the earlier Nintendo's systems mm-hmm. that I had for sure. Well, I'm curious on the software side. Do you mind sharing like what type of tools you use to build all this?
0: Oh yeah, not at all. Right now. Like basically, all I use is Blender, the like open source free computer animation software. Mm-hmm. And I used Maya for years, but I switched over to Blender for a, a few reasons. Is, is Blender better at doing this kind of low poly type work? I wouldn't say it's better, but Blender, Maya, Cinema 4D, like they all kind of have their own like subtle differences, but it's all basically the same thing. Like I, I modeled like the skeleton character in Maya, but I just transferred it over to Blender when I made the switch.
1: Gotcha. And, and when was the moment when you decided to actually turn these into NFTs? Like mm. what had happened? What did you hear? you hear? Did you hear about NFTs? Did you see the CryptoPunks project? Like how did this all
0: come to be? I can't remember the first time I actually heard about NFTs, but I think it was... I think it was 2018. I did a small. I, I did three NFTs for a now defunct platform, digital objects. Mm. They got into contact with me and like I mentioned a few things and it, and at the time I I understood like the overall concept and I was kind of in into it, but I think just seeing where like the space was at the time it didn't seem like it was something for me that was worth putting much energy into which really i regret now i think i mentioned before like x copy had bought one of those and he was like back in the day very involved and he sent me a message on tumblr saying that how he like he bought one of my nfts and he was like I think he said in the message that like he thinks this next year is gonna be like really big for the NFT space going mainstream. And and at the time I was, you know, I just kinda like, oh, that's nice. Like I liked his work, I followed him. But I didn't like go and buy one of his NFTs. But over the years, specifically on Tumblr, I did see since then, since 2018, I would see People like Xcopy, and there were a few other people I followed get into the NFT space and meant to specifically super rare. I remember just seeing that a lot, being aware of that. And it wasn't until last year, like last summer, when I feel like that platform really started to blow up. And I just saw a lot more people on Twitter like using it and being involved. And that's what really like got me back back into it and interested
1: and did you start minting on the ethereum blockchain or had you moved to hen yet what was going on then
0: yeah i my original what i wanted to do i I wanted to use super rare and i applied for it but i didn't hear back which i don't think was like an uncommon thing they were really popular like last summer so i then just started looking at other platforms to use. I applied for a lot of ones, but I ended up just using Rarible specifically because it was, you know, application free. It was open. And uh, I started minting some of my like skeleton gifts last year around this time, maybe last September or October. Those were, you said you started minting those. What platform did you use for that? Uh, Rareable. Rareable. So yeah, on Ethereum. It... Yeah.
1: Gotcha. And then when did you first start hearing about HIN and and why make the move to Mint over there versus just stay, sticking with Rarible?
0: Um, Well, the big reason was just all the environmental talk about uh, surrounding NFTs and just get... Like, when I first minted on Rarible, I wasn't aware of any of that, any of the like energy-intensive aspects of blockchains. But soon after minting and just being on like twitter and following other artists who are also like dabbling into nfts just seeing all the blowback from people about the environmental issue and at first i didn't take it too seriously or like what because like i feel like the two sides of the issue are so i guess polarizing or like it's very like do you care about it a lot and so you think all NFTs are terrible or you're very pro-NFT and you don't think, like, you can make an excuse for the environmental aspect of it or you are you think that's, like, being overblown or something. So I did a lot of just personal research into that, trying to read up as much as I could about it. And this was, like, earlier this year. Um, and that led me to, I think there was, like, An eco friendly NFT Discord or like Google Docs spreadsheet that had like a list of all of the like eco friendly NFT platforms. And almost all of them at the time were just like ones that had been announced, but weren't active yet. And at the top of the list was Hicket Nunk. And I remember like the comments on it just said like extremely cryptic UI, but very popular or something like that. And that was like, I don't know. A week after it had like launched and it took me like another week until I decided to make the move. And really I tweeted out that I would like, I basically tweeted out that I was deciding to not mint on Ethereum until like it, it went proof of stake and which was a really difficult decision at the time because even though my, my Ethereum NFTs weren't really blowing up or super popular. They were still bringing in like real income for me. I mean, I've been a freelance artist for years now and the jobs have always been like enough to keep me going. Like I've been really fortunate in that, but I feel like NFTs specifically have been what I've been waiting for. It really like fits what I do perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so with like the rareable stuff I was getting just from like a financial aspect of it it was like very like exciting and beneficial and it like it worked it was great and so to leave that behind for like nothing at that point like kick at nunk really wasn't an option i didn't like i i saw it out there but like it really nobody was on it at that point so that's, yeah, that, that that's what led me to Hickett It was completely in the environmental aspect of it. And
1: when you started minting on there, was that the first launch of your Windows Still Life series?
0: Yeah, for NFTs. I made like very similar Windows Still Lives years ago. I think it was in 2016. I made like, I don't know, five of them. And just based on like, I mean, I really liked the way they looked and I, re- I remember like a lot of people just like when I posted on Tumblr and Instagram, i getting a lot of good feedback and it was always in the back of my mind that like, oh, I should like do more of those. So when I decided to start minting work on Hick and Nunk, I wanted it to be a distinct series and mint a lot of them, like try to do like one a day. and And so I just went back to that. Yeah.
1: This is, I would say, probably the most copied series <laughs> yeah. that I've ever seen. It's almost like new artists that come to Hen have to pay tribute to you, <laughs> right? And they create a little like tip of the hat to so, like, and they will create this kind of Windows like type, you know, grid that you use mm-hmm. that you're so known for. H- how does that feel when you see these other artists? saying hey john we love your stuff like we're going to we're going to experiment with your format as well so, you know obviously they're doing it just because they're saying they appreciate your art
0: yeah i think at this point i'm numb to it but at uh, originally like when it really started happening it was very surreal and weird and i i mean i specifically like just the window format i get why it's become a very popular thing because like really like you could, it's so open-ended. It's just like a frame. Like you could Mm -hmm. put anything in that frame. You could be more like, I don't know if literal is the right word, but you could do it more like I do it, where it's like a window frame and there are objects in it. Or, I mean, I've seen people just like, there's like a sort of like grid square and then they just like put one of their drawings or like whatever type of art they make inside of it, which is cool. Like that works. And also there's aspect of, I, I, try to reblog everyone i see or retweet retweet everyone Mm. i see and so there's like i think just it's a good way for like new artists to be seen in the space or at least the perception of that I, i think that has also like helped carry that like uh trend along Yeah,
1: it's very cool uh, because it's nice to see when artists take it in different directions, you know, but yeah, there's still a familiarity that comes along with your original design. One of the things that I'm curious about is when you look in all of your different windows, you do something that a lot of artists wouldn't do, which is you put you do a lot of brand like product placement, like obviously (laughs) it's not paid, but what's the thinking? I guess just
0: in general, I like to Use objects that are like just everyday objects, and I think just in my life, and I think everybody like they're, we're just surrounded by these like branded objects, and they're like I, I think to omit like like uh, a Pepsi label from like a Pepsi can would be like weirder than like including it, and there there is like I don't think there's one reason for it either. Like I feel like that's like a more like pop art. Like, explanation for it of just using like these, like, we're living in this hype, hyper commercialized world, and there are these products everywhere, and just like using them as traditional still life objects. But there's also like, I think they're like funny to put in there, they're recognizable, like, it's something a little bit more relatable. Oh for sure some of them yeah. like
1: I, the, the McDonald's uh, coffee pot was that <laughs> took me right back to like the late 80s. I was like I remember being a kid and like looking up and seeing like McDonald's used to have old school big coffee pots yeah, like yeah. that. It was it was pretty awesome and then obviously your use of uh cheese balls and and cheese in general <laughs> right. is pretty amazing. <laughs> Uh when you're thinking of these new designs, like how do they come to you? What what's is it is it something where you find a theme and you're like, oh, I want to go with that. I want to do more water cooler stuff, or wouldn't it be cool if the water cooler did this? Or, you know, what's the creative process look like for you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I I think I guess I've I've just been making work like this for so long, for so many years, that I've gotten used to just being able to on the fly like have like a list of ideas that I might want to pursue. And uh, often I'll like start with just a germ of an idea and it'll like turn into something else. Once I start working on it, like for like the water cooler one, I might've like on like some sort of like, I don't know, word doc that I have open of just like different objects that I'm thinking about using for like the window still lives, like a little water cooler might've been on there. So just making a new window still life. and put that in there and then like it goes from there so it's, it's a very like loose creative process some of them are
1: really do, do some of them have hidden meanings behind them like i'm looking at your death versus life playstation battle uh. it's, a, it's a sony tv there's a bunch of pepsi cans laying around and you have put your skull skeleton into the you know player versus player kind of Mortal Kombat style against a mm-hmm. plant. What, what what, was the, uh, is that just for fun or do you sometimes tuck in little messages
0: into the things that you I mean, have? I definitely, I try to keep everything a little bit open-ended. Like, I mean, I hate to say there isn't one, like, I feel like people like to think that there's like either like hidden messages in it or having like sort of connections or like, to other things or like some sort of like Easter egg for a future project that I'm working on. And I hate to just definitively say that like, there is no like clear meaning to some of these things. Like, I don't know somebody on my discord, like, a while ago just asked about like the times on like the clock I had in the window still lives. And I just answered honestly that there really is no significance to the, the times that were on there. And I feel like that disappointed a lot of people because they were like looking for, uh, or they kind of assumed there might be. And an approach I have is like, I like there for to be like room for symbolism in like the imagery. Like there's, You can take like the skeleton versus the plant very literally. Like they're just two card. They're just two like video game characters, or you could take like a more like a wider view of things of just like the idea of life versus death of this like duality. So like that is definitely like in my mind with a lot of things, but I don't try to like. I don't have very specific meanings behind a lot of the like subject matter that I put into the work. Gotcha. So the, the mouse
1: holding the knife on top of the Roomba <laughs> right. has no, no, no deeper meaning than just right. being pretty
0: awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, but I think part of it too is like, because I don't, it's, they're not like, I think that's the difference between like my work and like, say, just like an illustration. Like I'm not illustrating like a specific, scene or a story or like, or it's not meant to have a specific like meaning, but there's, I think, room for larger meanings or like, or a story or anything to be put onto it. And I think that really like is part of the wide appeal to them is that like people can really like bring anything they want to them and really make them their own.
1: Yeah. There's, I feel like there's something in here for everyone in terms of mm-hmm. your still lifes. Like you cover such a wide range, and some of them I find hilarious. Other ones are just like, you know, I think I when I first tweeted about you, it was around the uh, skull with the burning tezos. Yeah. That was that was a great one, and I'm so glad that you made that affordable because you created mm-hmm. how many there was three thousand three hundred forty nine of them, and you could still collect one for seventeen tez, which is great. Yeah. How do you think about Rarity in some of these? Because, you know, a lot of them are 25 editions of a single one. And I believe you have one that is a one of one. Is that
0: correct? Or was there There, more than that? Yeah, I think there are a few that are a one out of one, at least like three or four at this point. I might be wrong. But uh, yeah, with Rarity, really my thoughts on that is just trying to keep things accessible to Different types of collectors, like, and the twenty-five out of twenty-five editions really started because I was just trying to price each gift at like basically the equivalent of like five hundred dollars for me. So, like at the time, and I, I priced them like for five tezos in addition to twenty-five out of twenty-five. So, I guess like tezos was like worth around four dollars at that point. And because like Hick and nunk wasn't. A popular platform at all when I started. The idea behind that was like having more editions and having it be a cheaper entry point would be more attractive to somebody who had never used the platform before, but maybe they wanted to collect that, um, GIF as an NFT. So that's really the start of that of just the 25 editions, but making the larger editions. I mean, I, I think it's just important overall of keeping things accessible to more people, just I think for the health of like the NFT space in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's nice that people can not feel priced out, you know, and yeah, they can yeah, say, I, I appreciate this work. I think it's awesome. But wait a second, you know, it's 20 grand or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, yeah. not, that's not very feasible. So it's it's cool to see that you're still doing that. That's fantastic. I'm curious about your notebooks because mm-hmm. that's a completely different project for you. Walk us through the thinking there and and why did you create that series?
0: Yeah, the original idea behind that is, I guess I've always like over the years tried to keep like some sort of like running sketchbook, but could never really keep it up. I'd always like start just like a physical sketchbook um, and I would always like fill in the first couple like pages and then just like it would, I don't know end up just, like, on a shelf and uh, I would just forget about it. It's just, like, a practice I wanted to keep up. And even now that, I, like, I'm saying, like I like I haven't made, like, a notebook drawing in a while, so I guess I'm doing the same thing with that. But but also, I, I just wanted to really have another series, an NFT series, without, like, disrupting the windows. I think just, like, having all the windows in just, like, the UI of Hick at Nunk just all together and not have anything in between them is, like, Really attractive. And so I, but I wanted to do, also, I just wanted to do like something different of just doing like quick, loose drawings I didn't have to like worry too much about. And also just keeping it very like, I, I think my original idea behind it, again, it really didn't turn out like this at all, but was, was like trying to figure out a way to do like cheap one out of ones. Which I ended up just like auctioning them off because I realized if I sold them for like really inexpensively, they would just be flipped anyways. But e- even from a standpoint of, um, I wouldn't say like the effort that goes into them, but they're just like quick ideas that I just like draw down on my iPad on like, I've just like a ripped out notebook page background. And yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure the best way to describe that project.
1: Well, they're just fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. It it looks like, is it something where you just sit down and you're in a more casual setting? You know, you're not in front of 3D software. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And it's also just like meant to be something that can, or I guess it's, I mean, it's like a number of different things. It's almost just like minting my own personal little like sketchbook or notebook. Mm-hmm. And it's a way where I could, like, put down an idea and maybe even, like, draw an idea that I wouldn't necessarily, like, decide to turn into a GIF. So it's just, like, a an outlet for, like, extra ideas or, or ideas that could turn into something bigger, like like uh, doing a sketch of, like, a new window drawing idea. Hmm. The,
1: the notebooks that you have are at, mm-hmm. at the low end right now, 4200
0: Tez. And at the high mm. end fifty thousand tests <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I mean that's what they're listed for I, I don't like some have resold on the secondary market but not many have i think it's a very like sort of uh niche project for me right now
1: how, how do you feel about as an artist just your it kind of explosion over the, the in this world of nfts like it's it seems like you're the collectability and 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 prices and attention to your projects and your work has is just at least in the time that I've been tracking it, it seems like it's just been growing and growing is that yeah how do you deal with all of that all this new kind of attention
0: um yeah it's hard to wrap my head around it sometimes just like specifically the money aspect of it i i think the attention to it and the popularity i feel like there've been just different levels of that with like getting a lot of like social media followers on Instagram or Tumblr. Like it's all kind of different levels of the same thing. And it all just comes from like people really enjoying and connecting with the work that I make, which is a great feeling. And that is like really satisfying and like great feedback just in general. Like that's, Really, uh, I don't know. That that feels great. The money aspect of it is crazy and hard to like. I don't know. Put in perspective sometimes because it really has just been like continuing to go like bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm.
1: You, you know, as someone that looks at you when I think about your work, it's clear to me that you've now cemented yourself in this place of not only having something that is very distinct and you can instantly recognize it but it's just also a kind of a foundational project to hen as a platform Mm -hmm. and um when people think about that platform they think of you i i I would say you know i'm sure there's don't get me wrong there's some other artists they think of as well but i mean it's clear to me in watching these great artists you know create and do that like i said that hat tip to you that they all kind of respect you in a pretty deep way, which is nice to see. And and I just, i love the work to begin with. That's why I have a handful of them because they're just, they're fun. You know, I can envision this on my walls, like in in (laughs) my house. Like that'd be really cool to walk around and just see some of your work on the walls. And like, I'm dying and waiting for these frames to to come out, (laughs) you know, because like, it's going to be so much fun to appreciate them in the real world as well, you know, rather than just looking at them on on hen, which breaks sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I noticed that you have in your creations of the window still life, you have three digits there, meaning it's you do hmm. like zero seven seven zero seven eight. What does this go to nine nine nine? Does this go to a <laughs> hundred?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm really not sure why I chose the three digits. I think because when I started doing it, I envisioned it being an everyday thing, which for like the first month or so, I did do it every day, but I just started to get burnt out on that. So, and like just having the title be window still life zero, zero, 001234 was just like, just to keep it very easy and not have to worry about like titling them different things. So. I envisioned it originally that I would do it, you know, like if you do it for a year, it's going to go over three digits. But right now, I mean, I'm well on track to doing over a hundred, like if I just keep up the pace. So that's where like the number convention comes in. Gotcha.
1: One of the questions I should have asked you right up front, and I'm sure something a lot of uh, your fans might already know, or maybe they don't. Why Mm -hmm. all the J's in front of John? (laughs) Um, and, and you use five sometimes, and you use, what, nine other times? I yeah, think ten, yeah, 10. Yeah, well,
0: I think originally I tried to get five on Twitter, but I joined Twitter too late, and that was already taken, so I went with 10. I think I just went with 10 <laughs> because it, it, of the way it looked visually better than, like, eight or nine, I think. And also, it's just a round number. It's easier to remember. Uh, and, and, like, the origin of just like the multiple J's is again, it's just like a. I don't know. It's like, it's just one of those screen name things. It's funny. It's easy to remember. It's like a little unique. I don't know. I've seen a lot of other people do similar things, I think, independent of me, too. I don't think it's that like original of an idea, but it's worked for me. And it's, yeah, it's. Yeah, your Discords
1: are right because you go in there and everything <laughs> has like all these extended letters. Yeah. So. As someone that, that created Dig with two G's, I I totally feel feel <laughs> you there. Right? So. All right, so I would love to chat about any other artists. Do you first of all, do you collect, mm. and are, are there artists that
0: that you enjoy? Oh uh, yeah, I do collect. Collecting when I first started on Hen, I was a much more active collector, and that was something I really enjoyed about it. And another reason why like trying to keep my own work accessible is important to me because I could see how like fun it is to collect, especially on hen, because it's like a very, just Tezos is so affordable to use the low gas fees. Like I want, I, I want my work to be easy to buy and be in other people's collections because I kind of, can see the appeal of like collecting work and having a whole collection and looking at the collection. And I was a lot more active collecting than I am now specifically because like over time and with all like the window tributes that came in and people sending me them. And I'm just like, I try to buy everyone if they don't send it to me, my collection has just gotten so bloated that it's hard to keep track
1: of everything. So, cannot, I'm looking at it right now because I forgot yeah. I
0: could just browse it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You've got so many NFTs. Yeah. I don't even know how big the collection is, but that's on like one of my big to do list things is to like set up a new account and like transfer some pieces over there or just like have a separate collecting account to get mm-hmm. more involved in that. I like, Are, I, I probably have like a lot better, like, off the top of my head, like even recommendations for like people that I really like, like I don't know, four months ago. But right now, I'm just unfortunately really out of the loop. Yeah, is it just because you're spending most of your time on the creative side more yeah. these days? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's great. So, have you given up freelancing altogether? I, I wouldn't say like definitely, but I haven't really had the use for it at all. If the right job came along, I wouldn't like turn it down but yeah just financially there's really no need
1: are are you getting offers for collaborations i'd imagine that's probably the bigger push these days in that you know mm-hmm. uh, do brands want you to collaborate on different designs that have some of your like flair added to them so it would be recognizable as something that you've touched
0: yeah i haven't gotten a ton of brand like even like brands reaching out to me lately. I've gotten some, but like, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe like, I'm not sure if people could just see that I'm in NFTs. So they like, don't think I'd be interested in doing freelance work. I feel like I, I would get a lot more offers like around this time two years ago than I am right now. So I'm really not sure the reason for that. What's the future hold for you?
1: what what is the where do you go from here? do you experiment with new project types? Is it just sticking with what you've done so far and just kind of um you know exploring that aspect of your work
0: yeah i'm not really sure that's a great question. I have tons of ideas for other projects, and I'm currently working on something which i hope like the new n f t project that I'm hoping to release in the next like few weeks which i've been like really busy on but fantastic yeah Can, can you give us any hint as to what it might be i think it's better if i just keep in our eyes like i'm more worried about like if anything people getting too high expectations knowing any specifics about it and being let down or like having an idea of it that it doesn't turn out to be but so yeah, I'm just gonna avoid <laughs> giving any sort of details. Not not is to that, be too like yeah, like mysterious about it. Is that something you'll announce on your Discord or or Twitter or what's the plans for? Yeah, March yeah, there? yeah. It, it'll probably I'll probably like announce it on. Yeah, I'm, I'll probably announce it on like the Discord first or, and or Twitter. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that's- I'm I'm really excited about it, and in general, I think just for future plans, like yeah, just. I'm really excited about a lot of possibilities within NFTs specifically of, of new projects and also just new things I could do with like the existing projects with like the Windows still alive specifically.
1: Do you mean that in terms of creativity or extending functionality or, you know, there's a lot of people these days that are working with NFTs to do novel things with burning mechanics and Mm. combining of NFTs and Mm -hmm. does any of that world interest you? Or are you more just wanting to do more creatively on the minting side and not worry about the, the fancier smart contract stuff that people are playing with?
0: Yeah, in general, I'm mostly just interested in the creative side and just like the work itself. I wouldn't say I'm not interested at all in some of the other like mechanics specifically like really I'm more interested in like new platforms that might come up or just being aware of what other people are doing. But specifically I'm just most focused on like the artwork itself and not so much of like any sort of like mechanics of the technical side of the blockchain or like creative things of, in that space. It's probably easier that way. I certainly know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of images
1: in that arena either. Just because from the coding side, sounds like a nightmare. Well, this has been fantastic. Where can people find you if they want to? I mean, it's the 10 on Twitter. You're the 10J <laughs> right.
0: version of yourself. Yeah, I probably right now, Twitter is the best place to find me. I mean, um, I feel like it's so NFT focused now that if you weren't interested in, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you weren't interested in <laughs> NFTs, but like I also do like post all of the, right now I've just been posting like the windows to my Instagram. I'm also on Instagram, like John with five Js. But yeah, like right now I'm most active on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing your history and appreciate and love the art that, that you produce. Uh, and thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.